0: entrepreneur on fire episode 382. John Lee Dumas is here with your daily dose of inspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome to
1: entrepreneur
0: on fire and prepare to ignite. More than 210,000 graphic designers worldwide are available to work on your next design project right now. What are you waiting for? Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Want to add something to your to-do list that's easy and automatic? Go to Carbonite.com for a free trial and use the offer code fire. You'll get two months free if you decide to buy. Carbonite.com, offer code fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Mike Mikalowicz. Mike, are you prepared to ignite? Apps of freaking loot. Yeah, Mike is the entrepreneur behind three multi million dollar companies and the author of The Pumpkin Plan and the business cult classic, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. With a popular, quirky website, com, he is a globally recognized entrepreneurial advocate. He is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and now hosts the business makeover segment on MSNBC's Your Business. I've given Fire Nation just a little overview, Mike, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally because we want to get to know you, and then give us an overview of what you have going on.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, you just read what's called my CV. Right. And, uh, the CV, you know what that really stands for? Covers vomit. <laughs> because I think it's the the one page of bullet points of all the great successes that covers the challenges of business. So, yeah, I, I've grown and sold two multi-million dollar companies. Absolutely. I currently operate my third. That's the third company. But I struggled to get there. And I've lost my shirt. I've made tons of money and I've lost tons of money. And... Um, What's come out of it is the realization, and now I'm a a proponent for sharing, that entrepreneurship is not what you see on the cover of the magazines. It's not overnight success. It's a struggle. But the overnight success component is when you do what brings you joy. When you're authentically yourself and you love what you do, then you do start experiencing the success of having an impact on this world every day. And the money, it does follow. It does come. It may not just come when you expect it. So that's a little bit of my background and, and the lesson I learned about myself.
0: <laughs> well, Mike, we're going to dive way more into your entrepreneurial journey because it has been a powerful one later on in this interview. But before we do, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire off with a success quote, with a mantra to really get the fireball rolling downhill. So take it away.
1: Yeah. So this is a quote I have literally hanging above my desk. It's by Harold Thurman Whitman. And it says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Every time I read that, it blows my mind. Because that's what this is all about. It's too bad that too many people go out and try to copy the other guy to try to be better than what someone else is. Instead of just trying to be the best of them of their natural self.
0: Mike, I love that for so many reasons, and that's one thing that we've seen time and time again here at Entrepreneur on Fire, and we're now approaching our 400th episode, our 400th interview, and all of these guests have said, you know what, it was when I started to follow my energy, follow my bliss, that I found success. So give us an example of when you heeded these words and how it turned out for you.
1: So I'll tell you, it's it's when I sold my second company. Uh, I did very well for myself. Probably because of timing, not because of skill. My second company was in computer crime investigation. And uh, of all things, the Enron trial broke, uh, and we got part of the Enron trial. And that took my company to a huge level. Uh, We were nationally, internationally recognized for what we did, and we were getting major case after major case. But I I thought it was me, John. I was like, oh, I'm the genius here. (laughs) i was wrong i wasn't the genius i just had timed it well or i was in the right spot at the right time and the business took me to the next level Uh, the the cover vomit part i talked about when we started off here was after that i tried to become an angel investor i didn't love what i was doing but i thought that was the natural thing for once someone becomes wealthy as an entrepreneur now you need to to do help other people become wealthy by investing in them well i sucked John, I mean, I really sucked as an angel investor and I lost tons of money. I did more damage to businesses just because I was going to stuff I was clueless about. So that, it was actually after that dark period of losing all this money and, and struggling in, in the investing I was making that I stepped back into what what really drives me. And what it was was teaching people and teaching myself about authenticity, about really investigating ourselves and then making the business an amplifier of that, having our business become our soulmate. That is really my passion. Not investing and giving people money to make more money, but guiding people and myself to finding our authentic selves and expanding it. And and that's how I do through uh authorship. I've started a consulting practice, that's what we do. And the business is is, you know, knocking wood is booming. Um But first it started booming because of my joy for it, and now it's just booming because people see the joy I have for it and feel confident in hiring my consulting practice and buying my books. That's how it came about. I had to go through that dark period to find that it was time to get back to my authentic self.
0: Well, Mike, you say it so eloquently, and I've been a Mike Michalowicz fan for quite some time now. As you can tell, by the way, your last name just kind of rolls off my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you,
1: you go to sleep saying Michalowicz. Michalow-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I, years ago, read both The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur and then The Pumpkin Plan, and we won't go into real deep detail about that right now, but... I wanna talk real briefly about the eye-opening experience I had during the pumpkin plan, which you just talk so well about how, in order to grow a massive pumpkin, you need to prune away all the little ones. They might be doing great, they might be really nice, round pumpkins, but at the same time, they're taking energy from that main focus, and you're never gonna grow that award-winning pumpkin unless you just let it get all the nutrients and take all the focus and all the energy, and that made it so clear to me that when I started Entrepreneur on Fire, that was it, baby, that was all my focus, It was a a seven-day-a-week podcast. I was going to eat, breathe, and live it, and I was not going to let myself be drained of anything else. That was huge, Mike, so thank you for that. And what I would love to do at this point, because Entrepreneur on Fire is about your journey as an entrepreneur. You're our spotlighted guest. And so I really want to talk about a time in your journey when you failed. I mean, you've shared some overreaching times about when you have, but let's really take it down to the ground level. Share with us a time that you had a major obstacle or challenge that had to be overcome and the lessons learned from that.
1: Probably one of the biggest obstacles I faced, and, and I hate, I'm hate i embarrassed to admit this, John. I've done it twice in, in two separate companies. Well, my companies were growing, and I thought that to grow, I needed to do what's called a plowback. Every penny I made that I could scrape together was going to go back into the business. And how it was going to manifest is I'd hire more people. So as sales grew, I would bring on more expenses, more people, so they could help grow the sales more. And that was what I thought would be the upward spiral. But what I realized was I was broadening out my offering. I was bringing on people that weren't versed in one thing. They were versed in millions of different things. And my company started to splinter. It didn't just do one thing well. It did 100 things marginally. And what happens then is sales continue to grow, but expenses grow at a faster rate than sales. And at a certain point, you start running. I started running a loss, a deficit every month. It was like, oh my God, sales have increased, but our expenses have increased more. <laughs> we need to sell more. We need to hire more people to sell more. And um, I hit what I call the um, the, the Black Friday, because one day it was, it was a Friday, and it wasn't Black Friday after Thanksgiving, like let's go out and shop. It was Black Friday. I ran out of all money. Um, I, I didn't know, I had nothing left. And uh, I was speaking with my uh, accountant, and he said, uh, you you can't afford next month's payroll or if you're going to pay it, uh, you're going to have to not pay any of your lines or bills and uh, they're going to come after you with vengeance. So pick one or the other. And I had to fire half my staff. So it was still a small company. It was 20 people, but firing 50% of your company, 10 people in one day, uh, it dropped me to my knees, John. I was like sitting there crying uh, before, after and uh, periods during this event because no one there was guilty of, Of getting, no one deserved to be fired. The idiot was me. I was the guy who grew too fast and was hiring aimlessly and without any forethought. Well, once I went through that dark day, I was like, I'll never do this again. Well, three years later, I went through the exact same thing. I I was in this hyper growth mode, ignoring profit. Everything was about bringing more revenue. uh, And then I got to that moment. That that now was a Black Monday where I couldn't pay the bills. And I had 35 employees, and I had to let go of I think it was 15 people in one day because we just didn't have the income coming in. Lack of focus brings diluted attention, which brings in marginal revenue, which brings in increased expenses, which is the is the end of every single business. And and I've been through that cycle twice. It's it's devastating.
0: Mike, this is such a powerful story on so many levels. And I know that so many listeners are sitting there right now and they're saying, wow, so I'm starting to experience some growth. What do I do? Do I not start expanding? Do I not start bringing people on? I mean, here I sit actually with Entrepreneur on Fire and we're experiencing massive growth right now. And these kind of lessons that you're sharing with my audience and with me is really giving pause and I appreciate it so much. I mean, you didn't learn that lesson the first time. You've learned it the second time. So share with us, Share with Fire Nation exactly the right way to go when you do start experiencing that growth as a business.
1: This is going to sound so counterintuitive, but you actually narrow down. Now, I'm not saying you serve less people, but you narrow down your niche and serve that niche even better so that they become locked in with you. This One classic strategy is with Uggs. You know, we all recognize Ugg, the boot. But a lot of people don't know the backstory. UGG focused on the surfing community, and that's all they served. They started in the 70s, by the way. And from the 70s until early 2000s, only surfers knew about them. But UGG catered to them so well that they made a boot that was made of natural material. It wouldn't collect odor. It wouldn't. Uh, smell so when when a, a surfer would come in, throw their boots on from the cold water, it wouldn't collect bacteria. Uh, it was really warm. It was a high boot so that sand couldn't kick into it and it would start grating on your feet. They really catered to that market, and as the market got became more and more demanding, and they as they started growing, they they studied the the surfer more, and they started. Presenting themselves in more of the surfing market, going to all the surfing events that are always there. It was only once they totally saturated and dominated that market did the surfer make it cool to everybody else. Like the, the surfer, the the boyfriends and girlfriends of the surfers were now wearing the boots, right. and now it's like my teenage daughter wears them. But the lesson here is: as we grow, you have to focus even more on your target top customers. To the point where you saturate the market, where you are the only known quantity, and only at that point should you expand to the broader world.
0: Wow, that's powerful. I've recently had the great Jay Sammet on Entrepreneur on Fire, and he talks so eloquently about how you either need to be the best in a space or the only person in the space. And he actually says he loves being the only person in the space because then just by default, you're the best. And I can see where you're saying that there. You know, for me with Entrepreneur on Fire, you know, I'm starting to grow quite an authority in the podcasting space. So should I branch out now immediately and try to serve the entire entrepreneurial space or just double down on this power? And that's what I'm doing with Podcasters Paradise. I'm doubling down and just focusing on this niche of podcasting. So I love what you're saying, Mike. It's really powerful. And I want to go to the other end of the spectrum now because you shared with us two major failures that you had and the lessons learned. But the other side of that is the aha moments. And you're a passionate guy. You're having these light bulb (laughs) moments all the time where the clouds are parting and the sun is shining through. Share with us a story when you had an I've made a moment and what steps did you take to turn that I've made a moment into success?
1: The biggest I made a moment was not when I sold my second company it, it sold for millions. And you know, a lot of people say, well, what was the exact number? If you're really interested, you can probably find it in the wall street journal still and stuff. But, but that stuff I've learned to keep private. Um, but there's enough out there that's public. <laughs> I, you know, looking back like or looking forward, I was, I was convinced in my life, John, that would be the aha moment. The aha moment for me actually came in another dark day, which I was referring to, but has become the most important moment of my life, and I think it always will be, was um, the day I had lost all the money I made. So after I sold that second company, like I told you, I became an angel investor, but I also became arrogant uh, and believing that my worth was represented by what I had not in what I was contributing so I bought three cars you know I bought the Viper uh, the BMW the Land Rover literally all in the same day I moved into the biggest house in town like all this stuff and I promised myself I would never be that guy but I became that guy I was was a deck, like a total deck. I mean I wasn't rude to people but I thought I was better than people which is the rudest thing of all well after about three years of living uh, this arrogance, um, I lost, I had lost everything. I was investing and losing. I was buying and losing. I was living off savings. I wasn't making money. As I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do next, and I came home one day, um, had another fateful call with my accountant, and he said, "Mike, you, your taxes are due now, and um, you owe fifty thousand dollars in taxes this particular year." And I, I literally had thirty thousand dollars left in my bank account. I was like, "I, I can't pay my taxes," and he's like, "Oh, you, you may have to declare bankruptcy." And I was like, i will I'll never declare bankruptcy. Um, but holy crap. And I came home, John, and I was sobbing uh, in front of my family now, this time, and just saying, I, I've lost it all. And everyone was blankly staring at me because I'd never, you know, you're, this is your father or your husband from my wife that right. has done everything to protect the family. Now he's lost it all. My daughter ran away, and she was eight or nine years old at the time. She comes back about a minute later with her piggy bank, John, and she puts it on the table and she goes, Daddy, we're going to make it. Um, And what what I learned in that moment, and I'm choking up now. Right. uh, What I learned in that moment is that we are not our number. We are not our stuff. We are our authentic self. That was what taught me about authenticity. My daughter just put out the most of her that she could in the moment, and it changed the moment. And I realized if I put the most of me in the situation, if I put my authentic self out there, that's where I can change moments and help change people. So that was my biggest learning moment. It was in my darkest period where my eight-year-old daughter kind of taught me the lesson, the ultimate lesson of life, at least of my
0: life. Man, we can learn so much from kids, and that was such a powerful moment. I mean, you've given me the chills. The hair on the back of my neck is standing up. I'm getting choked up here just picturing that scene because it is so powerful because it does bring us back to what is really important in life. So this is just too good of a story to stop here. I mean, what happened day two? What happened the next day? You woke up the next morning. Your family's behind you. Your daughter believes in you. The new Mike Michalowicz has arrived. What happens?
1: People would think, well, okay, the next day, now you know your focus, you go. But this flip flopping starts, this questioning was that really the moment or not? And so I, the next day I said, I- I'm really going to become an author. My all in is on being an author now. And I'm going to write The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, and I'm going to write it from my heart, and I'm going to do this stuff. But then the day after, I say, well, I- but I don't know if I'm really an author. There's other guys out there. And there was enough energy in that moment that my daughter gave me that at least I stuck with the process, but I didn't have confidence in it right away. I didn't know if I was really meant to be an author. But every single day, I would look back and say, is this really who I am? And every single day, I would get a little more confidence and belief in my life's purpose. And it was about a year of this kind of flip-flopping, is this really who I am or not, that one day I just woke up and said, I am an author. I didn't say, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a retired entrepreneur who now writes books. I said, this is who I am now. My new chapter is, I am an author, and I am having an impact. I am teaching people how to be authentically themselves and have their business be an amplification of that. And so it wasn't an instantaneous transition, but it was the spark for it. And by revisiting it over and over again, after about a year, that's when the light bulb moment happened. I said, I'm all in on this. And then the rest is is, you know, so to speak, it's history.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Mike, I mean, that is just quite an aha moment and quite a a journey through that aha moment to really get to the cementing of that. So share with Fire Nation and really boil it down for us. Just one clear lesson that you can walk away from with this experience.
1: So I'm going to take another quote. Uh, This one's from Oscar Wilde. This may be my favorite. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. The lesson here is... The ultimate energy as an entrepreneur in our s- is by amplifying who we uniquely are. Do not try to fix weaknesses. Do not try to copy others. Do not try to be better than someone else. Be the best of yourself. Be the most distinct out there because it's truly who you are. Serve your strengths and exploit them, and that's where opportunity is. That's where all the success is founded, in you, yourself, your unique self, your authentic self.
0: Mike, I really hope that the listeners are taking note of this because this is incredibly powerful. I get emails all the time from the great Fire Nation community to say, John, I had this idea. I went to Google. I checked it out. Somebody else is already doing it. So I'm back to the drawing board. And I'm like, listen, somebody else is already doing that. A, that's proof of concept. There's a market there. Yeah. B, that person is not you. Do it different. Do it better. Do it your own way. Inject your own personality. What are your thoughts about that?
1: So, you know, so I'm an author and I'm in, I think, the most competitive industry I've ever been in and perhaps that exists. Literally, a new book in the business genre comes out every, I think it's 20 minutes. So you can go to a Barnes and Nobles today and one week from now and there'll be a turnover of about 50 to 100 new books. 50 to 100 new products are introduced competing next to mine every week or two. Well, how do, you, how do you win being an author then if there's such steep competition? Talk about been there, done that. It's very established. Again, it's uniqueness. I, and I, every author that I think is successful, plays into their natural voice. They're naturally themselves. And then it becomes very easy to stand out. If you read a book by you know, some of the greats, Seth Godin, uh, Guy Kawasaki, Michael Gerber, you read any of their books, a very distinct, natural, authentic voice every single time. Any business out there, same thing. You look at Google, Google had its own distinct play over Yahoo. And Google, if Google said, oh, there's proof of concept, uh, I'm sorry, there's a com- competitor ready, uh, we're not going to do it, they would have failed. But they simply said what you said. It's proof of concept. And then they put their own unique spin on it and they exploded. We all have the opportunity. Just exploit your own natural self.
0: I love that Mike I was by far not the first podcast was interviewing entrepreneurs I just did it my own way and you're not the first person to write a book about entrepreneurship you just did it in your own way and Mike man there's so much greatness in this interview already I'm just tempted to pull the plug right now because I don't know it's just almost overwhelming at this point but I want to talk about you present times today what is really lighting your fire right now
1: well, I'm working on my next book and it's called Profit First. Um, and what I did was, because I, 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 I've had so many businesses now, actually, and I, and I do have a couple I invested in that went, well and i've stayed with and now are starting to really cruise along um ironically or not so ironically because the uh, the entrepreneurs behind those businesses are being authentically themselves Uh, but what i found was most businesses focus on two things sales and expenses because it's what the profit and loss statement teaches us what general accepted accounting principles teach us look at your sales look at your expenses try to cut expenses increase sales but no one talks about profit till the end of the day you know when When all the money's spent, when all the payroll's paid, when all the expenses are covered, we look and see, is there anything left for profit? And there rarely is. So I took accounting, and for myself, I flipped it over. I said, what if I worried about profit first? What if I didn't worry about expenses? I just worried about profit. And expenses was what I thought about after profit was taken care of. And once I started doing this for myself, it started changing everything my business profit started increasing. And it's not just a shell game. I wasn't just moving around. My whole philosophy of how I saw my business on a day-to-day basis was profit-oriented, not sales and expense-oriented. And my business, for myself, has become way more profitable than ever before. And these companies I'm investing in, when we made this change, they all became profitable. So now my big task is, I'm writing a book detailing out the exact steps so anyone very easily, very quickly, within literally a day of understanding this process, will be implementing profit first and having their business moving toward profitability, not just sell more, pay less, uh, or expense less. Start making a profit and maintain profitability. It's the most healthy way to grow a company.
0: Mike, my head is swimming in a sea of possibility right now. And I'm going to take a quote from Mark Twain. I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. What I'm going to ask you to do is challenging. Sum it up in one sentence for Fire Nation, all that greatness you just talked about. Take action
1: now. At the end of the day, we can think about so many different things to do. And these tips you heard now and from all your great interviews you've had, John, Take the one that speaks to you most, because that is your authentic self, and take action on it. Results come from action.
0: Well, this one is going to speak to a lot of Fire Nation, Mike. And for that, I thank you and commend you. And we're going to take a second to thank our sponsors. I love going to conferences. Not only do I get to meet others in my industry, I also get to meet members of Fire Nation who tune in and listen to Entrepreneur on Fire every day. Now that's special. In fact, I met eight members from my elite mastermind group at a recent conference, all whom I've previously only communicated with online. I learned over the past year that the connections that you make in person are priceless. But traveling can be tough. I was away from my recording studio for two weeks, including my main computer, an Apple desktop. That's obviously not making the trip with me. But thanks to Carbonite, I was able to leave my recording studio and my desktop computer and still run my business extremely efficiently. Because with Carbonite, I can seamlessly access all my files from any of my devices. Go to carbonite.com for a free trial and use the offer code FIRE. You'll get two months free if you decide to buy. That's carbonite.com, offer code FIRE. Are you looking for a designer to help with your next big project or marketing campaign? How about 210,000 of them? 99designs is the number one marketplace for crowdsourced graphic design. Best part is, you don't have to choose just one designer to work with. You can choose several to carry through your contest until you find just the right one. All you have to do is submit your request for a new logo, website, marketing collateral, apparel, or even a mobile app design, and dozens of designers from their community will submit quality designs created just for you. Give them your feedback to help them refine their designs, and once you're satisfied, just select and pay for your favorite one. All it takes is seven days. Ready to start your next graphic design project? Go to 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free today. 99designs.com slash fire. And this is a perfect segue to my favorite part of the show, the lightning round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan?
1: Okay, I'm I'm re- I think I'm ready ah. for the challenge. Now, now I'm like all nervous. Sweating. <laughs> Sweating, yeah.
0: What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: What was holding me back was actually a bottle of beer. Uh and the quick answer is this, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, uh but I had a fleeting thought of it and then one day I had a couple beers. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. It was ironically liquid <laughs> courage that got me going. I don't recommend it, but it's the God honest truth of how I got started.
0: Hey, whatever works. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: What is the best advice, Mike, you've ever received?
1: Get a mentor that speaks to where you want to be, and get lots of mentors. Here's the short and thick of it. Yeah, I always thought get one person that's achieved success in business you want and hook up with them. What this person taught me is to get a mentor for every single category of my life, uh, one in, in being a great father, one in being uh, financially sound, another person in marketing. And I surround myself now with six or seven mentors at any given time, and I work with them for years, and it's their individual super strengths that I learn from, not one mentor to teach me everything.
0: So I'm so glad you brought that up because that's one thing that I wanted to touch upon when you were sharing your flip-flopping year and it was just coming to my mind that how powerful would it have been for you to have a really strong mentor that would have just held you to the ground and say, Mike, stop your gosh darn flip-flopping or having a mastermind of like-minded entrepreneurs saying, Mike, stop flopping around like a fish out of water and just focus and just get down and stop questioning yourself. Have some courage. What do you say to that year of flip-flopping?
1: Flip-flopping kills you, right? Because it's, you know, basically flip-flopping means you're in a crisis moment or you're in a situation and that any direction you take will get you out of that moment, but it won't take you in the direction of your vision. With a mentor, actually I'm in mastermind groups too, absolute clarity to the vision and then every decision I make gets tested by my mastermind or my mentor saying, mm, that's not in alignment with your vision or yes it is and the, the progress I've made is tremendous once I've been surrounded with those people.
0: Mike, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe attributes to your success?
1: Hands down, every single morning and every single night, I have an I am statement. And uh, this is like a mantra I say to myself, and and I'll repeat it now. And then by the way, it's big, it's crazy, it's unreasonable, but I've been saying it now for years. So I've said it tens of thousands of times. And this is how it goes. I say, I am Mike Michalowicz. I am the most prolific business author of the century. My life's purpose is to bring authenticity back to entrepreneurship. In short, I put life back in business. And I say that like over and over again. And what it has done is anytime I hear the words Mike McCallowitz," because my mantra starts off with, I am Mike McCallowitz," I hear the rest of the, the whole mantra <laughs> said to me. Now, I, I know it's crazy. And for me to say I'm the most prolific business author of the century, that is absurd. But it's what I'm aspiring to be. And if it never becomes a reality for others, at least it's been a reality for me. And I'm performing at that level every step of the day, every step of the way, all the time. I'm making sure that I'm behaving consistently with that. So it is my reality now. I said I've got to prove it to the rest of the world.
0: <laughs> so Mike, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: Reportive blows my mind. Yeah. It hooks in with Gmail or whatever. As uh, people email you, you can just point to their email address and it gives you all their up-to-date Details of what's going on so you can see uh, what they've posted on Facebook or Twitter and when you're about to email or call someone it's a great way to get personal and say hey how was the kids soccer game or something like, like that
0: well, sneaky I love it and Fire yeah. Nation you can find the links to this resource and everything that we've mentioned in today's episode by going to eofire.com slash Mike Michalowicz Mike, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur and The Pumpkin Plan will both be on the show notes, what would it be? You
1: know, the one that really rocked my world recently is um, How to Deliver a TED Talk. It's a self-published book. Um, I didn't think there was ever going to be a good book about speaking out there. And I just ran across this book, How to Deliver a TED Talk by Jeremy Donovan. And what it's taught is not only public speaking but it's taught speaking in general. And we all do it. We're doing it right now over this interview. We do it when we do a sales pitch. We do it when we're Skyping with people. How to deliver a TED Talk tells you how to interweave stories into how you present and talk and how impactful that can be. It's, it's a mind-blowingly good book. I really
0: recommend it. So let's talk for a second about Profit First. When are you expecting that to be released?
1: The summer of 2014. So I, I literally just... Just started putting pen to paper or uh, text to digital screen, right? Keyboard to screen. Um, And the whole concept's there. And it's something I've been doing. I'm just now interviewing people that I've done this with so that we can get their life history um, of before, during, and uh, where they stand today. And uh, before it comes out in 2014, I'm actually going to introduce a profit challenge, and I'm going to put out to my subscribers and just whoever wants to participate. Can we make your business profitable and stay profitable permanently within 180 days? So it's called the Profit 180 is what we're going to be doing. So that should be coming around pretty soon.
0: Perfect. When that link's available, let me know. We will put this on your show notes page because the beauty of podcasts, Mike, they're evergreen. People are going to be listening to this a year from now, five years from now. And it's just going to be powerful to keep that updated. And Fire Nation, I know you love audio. So if you want the audio of any one of the books that we've talked about today, then go to eofirebook.com. It's a gift from Audible for our listeners, eofirebook.com. And Mike, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky, so take your time, digest it, and then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: First of all, I would show everyone on this new planet the five hundred dollars and say <laughs> is this is this can this be used around here, and do you guys know what this is right? The second thing, I would show people the laptop and say, Do you know what this is, and can you use this because I'll tell you this, John, if it's not relevant to the community you're surrounded with it's not relevant, so that five hundred bucks in a laptop could be a total waste for for my experience it may be perfect, but for this new community I'm surrounded with, it may be useless, and for me it's all about getting myself steeped in the community. And they may use uh, mind melds to communicate and money may be just handshakes the way it used to be. And there is no monetary, uh, there's no exchange of cash. And if that's the way this new community uh, operates, that's the way
0: I have to adapt and start operating their way. So I think that's how I'd, how I'd react. Hey, it's a good start. It's a good first seven days. Yeah. So Mike, you have been so open, so transparent, and so generous with your stories today that your journey has just been inspiring to every listener, I have no doubt. And I'd like to end this by you giving Fire Nation just one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: I got to revisit take action now. I think the successes I've experienced has been because I took action and the failures is because I got frozen. I overthought it. Uh, There's a saying from Colin Powell, when the first bullet flies, all the planning for a battle goes out the window. There's too many variables in entrepreneurship to plan it out. So if, if something you heard inspired you on this podcast or any of the ones we're doing together, John, people, we need to take action. Take action now. You'll be rewarded for it. Uh, and if you want to learn more about me, my website's mikemcallowitz.com. I know Mikalowitz is almost an impossible to spell. So, so just go on Google and type in Mike Mitch, M-I-C-H. And by the time you type that in, Google will fill the rest out for you. You can click on it. And you can find free resources, videos I've done, and free chapter downloads for both my books right on that website.
0: And a lot of creative ways to pronounce your last name.
1: <laughs> yeah, tons of ways. <laughs>
0: No, and Mike, Fire Nation is well-trained and well-versed in the fact that they can go to eofire.com. You're hanging out there in the podcast archives. They can just type the word Mike in the search bar. There's your show notes page with the books, the resources, your website. It's all right there for you. So, Mike, thank you so much for being generous with your time, your expertise, and experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Do you know what it's like to be 200 pounds overweight? John Gabriel does. The stress of his first business caused him to gain weight uncontrollably. But after years of research, he developed a solution that focuses on hormonal balance rather than restriction, which he says is the root cause of overeating and weight gain. To learn more about the Gabriel method and to get John's best selling book for free, visit FreeGabrielMethodBook.com. That's FreeGabrielMethodBook.com. Entrepreneurs, we need to take care of ourselves. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to EOFire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite.